This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another OUinsider.com podcast. I'm joined by OUI staff writer Colin Kennedy. Colin, Colin what's going on, man? I'm tongue-tied today. Oh, I think we have some things to talk about, RJ. There is plenty going on on the recruiting trail when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners. Right, so let's start with the positive, which is Nathan Rollins Kaibonge decided to make it official with his commitment to the University of Oklahoma. Six foot seven, 260 pounds, played one friggin' year of football, was actually offered and committed to play basketball at Washington State before he even started playing football. Plays one year of football, Jamar Cain sees him at Arizona State, Stanford sees him. Uh, Oregon didn't even bother, from what I understand, which I really want to talk about. And then Jamar Cain goes to Oklahoma, says, I need you down to Oklahoma. And NRK says, bet. So, I mean, do I did I miss something? Like, I know I, I sped through that. It's been fascinating to see. And I kind of wrote about it on you Insider when it came to the NRK commitment. I mean, this guy was perceived to go anywhere else but Oklahoma. But as we've seen Jamar Cain, I mean, this guy has become the ultimate weapon on the recruiting trail especially as we know he has those ties on the West Coast. And, of course, when the Clayton Smith thing took place, I thought, oh, wow, that's that's a really good get. But then for Jamar Kane to go out West and, and in his recruiting hotbed land a guy who not only has a freakish frame but extreme athleticism and fits right into what Alex Grinch wants to do defensively, I mean, you can't praise a guy enough. Now, NRK, when you see this guy play, I mean, he flies around. He's got the length. I, I wrote that maybe this will be a very intriguing addition, not only on the defensive end spot, but think about if you add some weight and he gets up into that 280-pound range, what he could do as a defensive tackle on passing downs, disrupting lanes with that length and getting right in the face of quarterbacks. I mean, the endless possibilities that NRK provides is what really makes him intriguing to me as a prospect. And so – for Oklahoma to go get this dude, like you mentioned, a guy who was committed to play basketball out in the Pac-12. He's now reportedly, according to Parker Thune, Sports Illustrated Sooners, has a spot on the OU basketball team. I mean, a lot of things fell into place for them to land Nathan Rollins, Kai Bonds, and it all worked out. And this is another massive addition on the defensive line for the 2021 recruited class. And interesting to say, massive addition on the defensive line for the 2021 recruiting class because – under a different set of circumstances, everybody is doing somersaults. Not to say that people aren't in, in other places, but universally speaking, uh, OU has had two long-standing gripes. The first one is we can't get a top-five recruiting class even when we should have had a top-five recruiting class in, like, you know, 2019 because Brew McCoy still counts toward Texas's tally, and many people think that without him, they drop to six and Oklahoma moves to five. And then... Where the defensive tackle recruits, to which you and I will t- point to Josh Ellison and Perrion Winfrey, and then you know Gall- Gallimore just goes third or in the third round, and yet we're not seeing defensive tackles commit to Oklahoma, and yet we are, right? We're we're looking at one and Isaiah Coe, which is weird, but also junior college, and then we're seeing edge guys, like edge guy after edge guy after edge guy, and more than that, like 
a super freak in Clayton Smith because I don't know how many defensive ends there are that can line up in a five technique and then split out to the numbers and go get you a bucket on third and long or a jump ball in the back of the end zone. On the other hand, we're looking at NRK, who is a basketball player, whose ceiling has got to be the sky right now because he's never played football, not really, in the same way that Jalen Redmond had only done that like a couple of times. And then we're looking at Danny Stutzman, who was added, and Jordan Mooks, who I put in the same category of, as an NRK, which is a project, right? But how many times are you going to find a six foot four defense back? Like, you're just not. So, like, this feels like, at least right now, because of the lack of offensive talent in it, I mean, we're really talking about Mario Williams and Cody Jackson and it. This feels like a Grinch class, but also, like, very much what Grinch might have wanted to recruit at Washington State, as opposed to what we would want him to recruit at Oklahoma. Yeah, and I'm actually glad you brought that up, because it's something that I have found incredibly interesting. I think when you really look at what, the Grinch crew accomplished in this first year. I mean, they took guys in really a half of an off season and then a season span, and they boosted their careers to heights that seemingly weren't accomplishable by other marks. I mean, you, you think about it. So they arrive. Neville Gallimore was not this 300 flat pound penetrating defensive tackle that was going to go very high in the draft, right? He was, a bigger body who maybe didn't reach the expectations set by others and just seemingly never hit a ceiling. But then once Grinch arrived in that crew, he dropped a bunch of pounds, became more adjusted to the scheme. And next thing you know, I mean, this guy has an NFL future and a, a very bright one, in my opinion. Then you look at Parnell Motley. I mean, this is a oh, guy yeah. who, let's be honest, he struggled. He struggled and people would pick on him. Like Iowa State, if I remember a couple of years ago, just threw the ball at him almost all the time. And, and now Parnell Motley is going into the NFL, even though he's not a director free agent, he could say on his resume, I locked up whoever stood in front of me in college football. I mean, think about what was accomplished by the Grinch regime in such a short amount of time. I mean, they took guys to brand new levels, some guys that we didn't really expect much out of. And, and now I think that this Grinch crew is saying, okay, if we can accomplish this in that amount of time, think what can happen with these project-type freaks in the span of three to four years, right? I mean, look, Jordan Mukes, you talk about it, hasn't played a ton of football, but he's 6'4", 190-something pounds. I mean, Nathan rollins Kaibons from all reports, that last year was his first year playing high school football. And now he's committed to the University of Oklahoma because the coaches are looking at these guys and saying, okay, if we can just have raw physical tools, ones that we can eventually mold into the players that we need, we're going to be fine because we've proven we can do it with a whole lot less, right? I mean, I I have no knocks. I mean, Parnell Molly's a great dude. Neville Gallimore is a great dude. But they are simply not the, the frames and the body types that some of these guys are that Grinch is recruiting. So if you really just take a step back and you say to yourself, okay, what might these guys look like? You go off of the Parnell Motley or Neville Gallimore projections. I mean, it, it, it's startling to think the kind of monsters that Alex Grinch could have all over his defensive squad. Now, you mentioned the defensive tackle thing. That's, that's kind of where I think we talked about it a ton. Fans and, and the media are going to have to be a little bit more flexible when evaluating Grinch's recruiting scheme. Because if we're really being honest with ourselves, 
he's not going to go out and get the big dude, right? I mean, defensive tackles, they get you with the flashiness because they're, what, 6'4", 320, 330 pounds. I mean, everyone wants the monsters. But Grinch has to find guys that will be that athlete like Neville Gallimore was, that can move, that can penetrate. I mean, honestly, he's not going to go out and get the, the big body defensive tackles because to be quite honest with you, I mean, the 6'4", 320 guys can't penetrate like Neville Gallimore. They can't move like Neville Gallimore. And so when you know that, you have to go get guys that can get to the Neville Gallimore type. So I think when we look three, four years down the line and you see what projects have become stars in the Alex Grinch recruiting classes, you're going to sit there and say, wow, I mean, he stuck, he stuck to his guns. At the end of it all, I mean, he accomplished exactly what he set out to do. And I think it all starts right now with getting some of these quote-unquote projects like NRK, Jordan Mukes, guys that may not necessarily have all the football experience and IQ in the now, but they just have the simple, raw, physical tools to eventually accomplish what he needs. Uh, first, nice recovery, because uh, we lost you there for a second. Don't know what happened, <laughs> but no, that was that's very well done. Uh, I wanted to pick up your thought about Parnell Motley and what he looked like, particularly in 2018, after looking like Mr. Air Traffic Control, like his his like seriously his his first couple of years, I thought he was going to be awesome. I thought. You know, Gundy, or Gundy, man, that guy's on my brain. Mike Stoops had done a really good job of going to get this kid out of the D.C. area. And then, mm-hmm. here's the thing. You're talking about what they have done with talent that is undervalued or hasn't been evaluated correctly. First, move Buki back to corner. Second, you're right about Neville Gallimore, and you were right about Kenneth Murray Jr. But check this out. Robert Barnes was ranked the number 27 overall recruit in the 2017 class. Let me give you a list of the guys that ranked behind him. Devontae Smith at 28. Marvin Wilson at 31. Dylan Moses at 32. T. Higgins at 34. Jerry Judy at 35. Grant Delpit at 41. J.K. Dobbins at number 43. What the hell is it going to take to activate the Robert Barnes that was ranked higher than all of these dudes who are at the very least second-round draft picks? Well, that's the difficult question that Alex Grinch now faces. Is He, he took guys who maybe didn't reach higher-level expectations and got them there, but, I mean, you want to talk about some of the astronomical expectation guys. Robert Barnes certainly fits it. I think, first of all, we got to acknowledge the obvious, right? The injuries have not necessarily helped Robert Barnes' cause. I mean, the dude has been banged up a ton. He had injury concerns in high school at South Lake, and eventually those things add up and I would certainly believe an argument that states Robert Barnes has not necessarily been able to play to his caliber because of some injuries he sustained over the years that being said the, the the move of linebacker is intriguing to me I'm not entirely sure that it's the best move but I also kind of understand the reasoning because I'm not entirely sold on the idea that Barnes has maybe the pure speed to be a safety in Grinch's defense. I just think Barnes is going to be a, a good football player, but I, I'm not sure that he's ever going to be those caliber players. I mean, T. Higgins, Dylan Moses, those guys are superstars. And I think with Barnes, the injuries, some of the position shuffling, the difficult positions he's been put in in general – 
Grinch is going to have his work cut out for him there. And I think there are some other guys on the roster you could say are in kind of the same boat. But, I mean, that's the case with any college football team. There are guys who meet what they're supposed to do, and there are some other guys who fail to rise to expectations. I'm not saying Barnes is either one of those. I just think the the book is left a little bit unopened right now when it comes to what his future holds. And I think if I had to bet on whether or not Grinch is going to get the most out of Robert Barnes, like that top 20, 30 player – I mean, it's hard for me to think that Barnes is going to be a starting linebacker next year. So that's my take on it. I mean, what is yours on Robert Barnes? I thought the first time I saw Robert Barnes, the first time I saw him, like when he was out at South Lake, that dude's not a safety. That dude's a linebacker. Like he, he was just enormous. But you saw how he ran and you saw how he covered and you kind of got it. But he's always been enormous. I mean, it's kind of like with Ryan Jones. It's the same sort of predicament of what – Stoops used to go get, which is these enormous tweeners. And that's one of the reasons, like, I'm really interested to see what, what goes on, particularly outside linebacker this year for Oklahoma with Joseph Wette and Nick Benito and David Uguebu and what that comes out to be. But also, check it, Justin Broyles was ranked the number 60 player in the country in that same class. You know who's 61? Who was that? A.J. Terrell, who went in the first round, Ooh. right? Went the first round at Clemson at Atlanta. So, like, it's there. And then think about Trey Brown and what a ray of light he was last year, the year before, and how this, I think, is more his defense than anybody else's defense. And I, and I mean that. Yeah. Uh, I There's guys over here. There's, as, as my high school football coach would say, we got dudes, okay? We, we got dudes. <laughs> we just got to get dudes activated. Like, that's, that's what's been so... I guess that's that's the reason I'd be optimistic, but also wildly just mad, right? Because, I mean, you can work yourself into a frenzy once you look at how some of the players that Oklahoma has today, right now on the, on the, on the roster, rank compared to some that have just outperformed or just performed to expectation. Caleb Kelly is another one of those. Like, in my head, it's going to be Deshaun White and Caleb Kelly. But... The way that this has gone over the past four years for all, for all of those dudes, or by all those, I mean, Robert Barnes and Caleb Kelly, yo, man, one of y'all is going to knock somebody else out of the punch bowl because Deshaun White's going to play. He's that yeah. good, right? And he's the one guy that, that Odom really trusts to run the defense in the middle. Matter of fact, last preseason, he said that is the most instinctual linebacker I've ever coached. That one. And I'm going, oh, okay, well, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to log that away. It's kind of like when... Creed Humphrey said, or Creed Humphrey, when uh, Lincoln Riley said, Creed Humphrey is the most talented football player on our team. This is when Kyler Murray was the quarterback. Okay, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to stock that away. You know, like seriously, like I'm looking at, I get frustrated, right? Like like every team, like every person that has followed OU for most of his life. Uh, Because you'll see dudes and you'll be like, man, why can't we get the best out of that guy? Because it's obviously there. And, you know, circumstances are what circumstances are. But... If you're asking about talent, who's more talented, Caleb Kelly or Robert Barnes? The tape. I'm betting on Caleb Kelly. Right, and that's what the tape would tell you. But also, I think that's because we just haven't seen a a great game by Robert Barnes, man. Like, everybody can remember Caleb Kelly getting the uh, getting the strip 
uh, being yeah. part of that that West Virginia game. Can remember him actually being in on that TCU play in 2017 to help them win the Big 12 championship. Can remember him at the Auburn game where he announced himself in the Sugar Bowl saying, let me, let me get these 10 tackles right quick. We haven't seen that from Robert Barnes. I mean, we saw a garbage interception, garbage time interception, I think against Florida Atlantic in 2018. And that's been about it. Ever since then, it's the number 469 player in the 2016 class. Hey, man. Hey, man. What about the two-point return against Texas Tech? Oh. You can't forget about that, Jeff. Golly. Look at this man. <laughs> Look at this man. Look at this man. See? So, like, like that's, what I'm, that's what I'm answering, right? But, like, when Josh Jacobs took his soul on the goal line, we haven't seen him. Like, we, we, we quite literally haven't seen him. Yeah. And, and I think when you really look at Robert Barnes, I mean, the West Virginia game comes to mind, not in the Caleb Kelly sense, but he was part of that safety core along with Buki that really just got put in a tough spot against David Sills and all those lethal wide receivers, Gary Jennings. I mean, look. Uh, Yo, the if, moment that Dana said, hey, David Sills, you're playing inside, I said, oh, God. Because, like, 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 it was 6'5", it was over the top of 5'8", and I said, oh, okay, well. I, I, I will never forget RJ standing in that end zone and, and Will Greer in the shotgun looking over to his right, seeing David Sills on Buki and just tapping his chin oh twice. Oh, my God. Tapped his chin twice, snapped the ball, and bombed it for oh, a touchdown. Oh, my God. Like, oh, it's a long day. Uh, it's a long day for 44. But, I mean, I, I look, like, that's kind of the other aspect of this that I have to factor in when we're talking about Robert Barnes and these other guys, right? I mean, at the end of it all, if I'm betting on a defensive coordinator and, and a coaching staff to get the most out of these dudes, I'm going to bet on Alex Grinch, Roy Manning, and those other guys in that staff because – I mean, whether or not you want to go all in on ridiculing the the Mike Stoops or the Ruffin McNeil defensive strategies, I think and we have I seen do. some. Just yes, so as we okay. know, you're, you have a stance. Okay. We know you got a stance, okay. big dog. But right. at the end of it, I think we have to also look to the future because we're optimistic people. And, and I know that at the end of it, Grinch has a formula, and, and it's panned out. I mean, like we're talking about, there are some guys that he has helped take the next step in their careers now i think caleb Kelly's is going to have a really good year next year i'm not going to say it's going to be the the the, the five star but i think you're going to see caleb kelly be a lot more comfortable because in the past while he's been forced to play inside linebacker i think they're going to allow him to get a little bit more acclimated to the position i think he's learned a lot over the past couple of months especially when he got back into the rotation after being out with injury and Odom said, hey, man, look, he's really provided us a boost. Like, he's helping a lot with Deshaun and Kenneth. I think that's going to carry over. I think Robert, after sitting out almost all of last year, I mean, from what I've heard, Robert and Troy Norwood were very, very helpful in terms of getting those defensive backs adjusted to what was happening in the building. And I think as a result, you're going to see some of that take place on the field. I think Norwood and I think Barnes at the linebacker position, although he has some learning to do himself, because they've spent time adjusting and just watching how Grinch wants things to carry out, I have to assume that that's going to stay in their minds and eventually work out on the football field. So, look, again, there are so many different things that we have to just take a step back on and say, okay, it's a whole new chapter, whole new staff. Maybe it's time to lower some expectations for guys and just see what happens. I'm someone who's going to err on the optimistic side because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm pulling for these guys. I mean – Robert Barnes is a really good dude. Caleb Kelly is one of the best guys you'll ever find and meet. But, again, it's just those difficult positions that they were put in in the past. You have to kind of put that away and say, okay, 
now that they're going to have that new opportunity in 2020, let's give them a chance. Yo, man, and in this this renewed format of it's almost as if Grinch just got here. I know he didn't because he's going to have his ideas of what the dudes did from last year and what he expected his uh, roster to look like ahead of spring ball. But like with a new six-week plan, I'm really interested to see which kids get a better opportunity. Now, some kids obviously are going to be in better shape than others, but over six weeks, that's going to that's gonna level out. I, I look at that roster, and you brought up Scrappy Slim. Uh, that'd be Trey Norwood. That's what I call him. The man shows up out of Fort Smith. We're not thinking much of anything, and then turns into a player over there at corner, at safety, at nickel. Uh, I want to see Jeremiah Cradell get some run. You know, I want to see what yep. I want to see what he watched to move back to corner. But then again, I want to see Brendan Radley Hiles move back to corner. I want to see Justin Royals move back to corner. I I think that you know with Jordan Parker and Levi Draper and Ryan Jones and Troy James and those cats all going into the portal, there's going to be some renewed opportunity for some guys that. Absolutely didn't get a shot. On the other hand, we've been talking about Robert Barnes. We've been talking about Caleb Kelly. We've been talking about Deshaun White. Brian Asamoah is due for a leap, as is uh, friggin' Shane Witter when he gets here. Because I I went back and I refreshed myself on the 2020 class in their huddle tape. The two dudes Mm -hmm. that I am still just awed by, right, are not Marvin Mims and Bryson Washington, though those guys are super talented. It's Witter and Rame. Like, yeah, the more like and and then because we're in this baseball mode, sort of, kind of in in high school and with, you know, like here, the drillers are going to host the Texas uh, College League, which is going to be a lot of fun. But like, I'm watching the catch game. Please, please get up here. Let me know. Uh, Yes, sir. But like, I'm watching Andrew Rame hit baseballs and I'm watching him get out of the box and I'm watching him turn the corner Mm. and it like six, four, two eighty. Like what? I mean, you've seen this man move. It's not fair. Oh. Didn't we talk about him hitting that triple and he's legging it out and dives into third? I mean, come on. You got to love that from the big man. And he was moving well. He was yeah. moving so – like he did not look – I mean, so many big dudes can't move well on a base path because they're big dudes. Rain moves like a skill player. I'm not, I'm not certain what this means for a guy that's probably going to be playing guard or center, but like – Goodness me, I mean, we all want to make comps to Quentin Nelson because he's the best doing it at his position, but it's it's literally possible that Andrew Rame is more talented than Creed Humphrey, as hard as that is to wrap your head around. Saying if you're, something. Yeah, right? So, like, there's so much potential on this roster, despite it not necessarily having uh, a top 10 class last year and probably not going to have one this year. So that's kind of where I wanted to go. With Caleb Williams expecting to announce on July 4th and probably with friends, I have been bearish on Oklahoma's opportunity to secure a top five class. I think a top 10 class is within reach, but like barely. And the way that other schools have been recruiting has been quite literally twice as much as Oklahoma when we're talking about commitments. But then we are expecting a historic amount of decommitments. So how do you feel about how Riley is actually stacking this class? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm one who has kind of aired on the top five is maybe a little bit out of reach unless they land some absolute monsters. I mean, the Egbuka race is going to be interesting. The, the, the JT to a thing, depending on 
how much the Agbuka relationship pans out there. Maybe they can get in there. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you really look at it, I mean, Oklahoma, they're really not in on too many true five-star guys. No. You, As you've laid out in the past, I mean, you want to talk about class? you got to have some five-star guys. Yeah. And I think when you look at it, Caleb Williams, definitely the favorite. Kamar Wheaton, probably OU the favorite there, although that one's a little bit more up in the air. But outside of that, I mean – what happens if Egbuka announces, okay, you got three, but I mean, heck, it seemed like Oklahoma had three or four in that 2019 class and they didn't get there. So I, I think that it's a good class. I, I like the fact that they're going out and they're getting guys that they, they have identified and they're hoping to get. My big thing is you've mentioned it. The decommitment thing is going to be an absolute mess because from all accounts, Several programs are going to be going after dudes that are already coming to Oklahoma. I mean, I, I'm someone who believes Mario Williams is going to be an incredibly hot commodity. Oh, yeah. As we get closer to December, yo, especially yo, because – The way that Christian Leary just got swooped. Just got swooped. Like, oh, I mean, God, yeah, it was easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all had him as an OU lean, and he resets his date, and then here comes Nick Saban, and, and hey, we're going to have you play the capstone, which is Jalen Waddle's swat, uh, slot position. I'm going – well, that's that's a difficult argument to make because if you look at Oklahoma, how many slot guys have they announced as the heir apparent to anything? I mean, those dudes can play slot, but they make their living on the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb, Sterling Shepard, D.D. Westbrook, all numbers players who could move inside, not unlike Jerry Judy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to cut you off, but I needed to jump in there about what you were saying. Mario Williams will be a hot commodity, yeah. and I'm not so certain they get to hold on to him. Well, yeah, and I mean, it just furthers my point. I mean, you talk about there are some collegiate programs who sell the slot. There are some collegiate programs who sell the perimeter. I mean, Williams can do both, right? and he can play baseball. Yes. And I know for a fact that LSU baseball, Florida baseball, these big-name programs of the SEC will take that guy yesterday. Oh, wow. So once you factor that in, I mean, I'm assuming that there are some big-name programs that are going to be pulling out all the stops to get Mario Williams to flip. And I mean, we're just talking about one guy. I mean, who knows how many programs identify like a Danny Stutzman and go after him because he's in the state of Florida. I mean, that's what really would interest me when you talk about the building of this class. I mean, they have good players, but once Caleb Williams commits on July the 4th, they they get maybe some more commitments in there. Then how much is this class willing to fight for each other and stick together? Because Mm – as we know very well, it doesn't really matter what happens in July. It happens when you get into like the November. And, and once you get it close to that December signing period, now that it's in the early area, I mean, there's going to be an absolute flurry. And especially with the amount of early commitments in this class, I have a pretty strong feeling that there are going to be some programs scrambling for talent. They're going to come after some of that lower to mid-range talent in the Oklahoma class. And while they may not be able to flip like a Caleb Williams, I mean, I have to assume that there are going to be some dudes that hear plenty of phone calls once we get closer to sign the dotted line. Yeah, man. And, okay, let me let me do the ray of sunshine thing right quick before we get out of here. Bryce Foster is yeah. still on the board but considered an over lean. Yeah. Savion Bird is still on the board. And maybe people back off of him because he took a 40-spot 40, a 40 drop in the latest rankings. Uh, Tristan Lee is still very much on the board. And considering Oklahoma along with LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and even Penn State. So there's moon there. L.J. Johnson's still on the board. Uh, Donovan Edwards still on the board. So, I mean, there's there's guys out there, but it's what you said. Are they going to stick together? Are they going to fight? Like, 
that 2019 class is still my favorite because they were so tight. They were so mm-hmm. tight. I mean, they were so tight that when we went to the Open in 2018 and you saw them as team overdrive with Rattler at quarterback, Jace McClellan at running back, Trajan Bridges at wideout, along with Theo Weiss and R.J. Henderson, Jaden Hazelwood is watching on like, damn, I want to play with them. Like, he's literally gawking at them going, oh, that'd be fun. And what we get, right? So, like, I, I, it's there. It's just real hard to say that all of those delicious assortments of players and talent are going to be all in on Oklahoma without some real moving and some real shaking because Sam Pittman is now coming into this area to to take the Tulsa talent that I keep telling everybody is here. I mean, A.J. Green committed as a running back. Miles Slusher, safety. He ain't done yet. So Riley's also got competition over here. Jacob Sexton in 2022 is going to be a huge commodity. And my mm-hmm. goodness, don't lose the kid from Kingfisher. You know, like, I mean, it's, I keep, we say it all the time. And I think it's because you and I eat this stuff, but we got players all around this region. I just wonder, you know, how hard is it going to be for Oklahoma to keep the kids that are coming from Florida, that are coming from Georgia? Because the track record right now, it, 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 ain't, it ain't been great, dog. It ain't been great here of rate. Yeah, and we'll see as we talk about it how much they have to lean on those in-state guys, even though they're committing to the Arkansas or Oklahoma State of the world. Who knows? Maybe they have to circle back and re-identify some talent in their own backyard. But, again, th- there are so many things that have to take place from here. And then, I mean, the, the, the Caleb Williams announcement, if it goes the way that we assume, man, that's going to be a big, big day 100%. for OU fans. And once that happens – anything could take place. And I mean anything. We have literally no idea what the recruiting picture could look like once the number one quarterback in the nation potentially joins Lincoln Riley and Norman. So you just simply have to take these things with a grain of salt, always be reevaluating your board. And at the end of it all, I mean, I still believe that Oklahoma is going to be in great standing once this 2021 class concludes. Is there something you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? I think that's it, man. It's been fun. All right, brother. That is Colin Kennedy. Give him a follow on the Twitters at CKennedy247. That is CKennedy247. Does excellent work over at OUinsider.com. You also know that Brandon Drum is there with daily, sometimes twice daily updates on what is going on in the recruiting, getting the scuttle for you. Uh, I am pitching in as much as I can, where I can, filling in gaps for these dudes who are doing outstanding work. I have deleted my Twitter account. We will talk to you all next week. Deuces.